You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Drinks with Johnny podcast. Now, before we get into this week's guest, I got to just talk a little bit about what I watched last night. It is Sunday morning right now on, uh, what is it, April 3rd, and last night I saw the coolest thing ever. I went to a movie theater and saw WrestleMania 38, and Stone Cold Steve Austin came out, and everyone was saying that he wasn't going to wrestle, he wasn't going to wrestle, and then he puts on with Kevin Owens, one of the greatest matches I've seen in quite some time. Had all the spots I wanted to see, all the peer, all the beer jugging. It was just amazing to watch. What a fucking WrestleMania moment that was! And uh, as I said, I got to watch it in the theater. Uh, it's so much fun. I can't even believe it. I can't wait for night two. Hopefully, uh, it goes as well as night one. Cody Rhodes showing up in WWE. I mean, as a wrestling fan, it was just absolutely an awesome showing i hope tonight is just as good probably talk to you guys a little bit more on on that on thursday uh right here on the follow-up of this episode with my guest dean del rey the comedian very funny dude he's got his podcast uh uh, let there be talk he's a huge acdc fan he actually in this chat told me that he was the first one to get the entire band together on a podcast so uh he's very much in the metal scene, very much in the music and rock world, and he's just a funny, funny dude and has some great stories. He's also uh, going to be doing a Netflix special. They're going to be filming at the Palladium. It's actually a Bill Burr special, but they're going to be filming at the Palladium on May the 4th, so go check your uh, listings for that. Go do Google search, whatever it is. Easy enough to find, I'm sure. May the 4th, Bill Burr and Dean Del Rey doing their Netflix special, so make sure you guys go check that out. Um, again, this chat was just a fun one. We talked a lot about music and a lot about uh, comedy. So without further ado, I bring you my good friend, Dean Del Rey. All right, man. So uh, I'm so glad you're on the show uh, today. I got Dean Del Rey, comedian, actor, podcaster, all around rock star, really. I mean, man, I heard you uh, do a tribute to Bon Scott on ACDC with a star-studded cast. You, you, could, you could speak to it a little bit more. Where was that at? And I had no idea you had pipes like this, man. Uh, I've been doing that actually for about, I think, 38 years. It started in San Francisco at a, a club called The Stone uh, when I was young. I uh, played music. And when Bon Scott passed away, I decided once a year uh, on his birthday to do a, uh, actually on the day he passed, to do a, a tribute. 
And then uh, that went on for about, I don't know, 10 years or so. And then on and off, I was doing it here and there. But then once uh, I was in LA, I didn't do it for a long time. And then I became a comedian and I had all these musician friends in LA. And I was like, hey, let's, let's fire this back up. So we fired it up on my 50th birthday and we've been doing it ever since I'm uh, 56 now. We didn't get to do it this year because of COVID, but we're thinking about doing it in the next six weeks or so. Oh, dude, awesome. I mean, again, though, <clears throat> so surprised not to be a dick, but I, w- I hadn't heard much of your like music side of stuff. I just uh, got into your comedy pretty recently, and I was like, dude, this guy can sing like a motherfucker. Like, you were... You were nailing it, and then I and then I come to find out that you were in a band before, uh, and then you found comedy later. And I was just listening to you on uh, Dark Fonzie, which brilliant podcast already, by the way, man, love it. And thank uh, you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm listening to you, so, and you're talking about being a, in a rock band before, and I'm like, wait a minute, what? So I start looking it up. I'm like, this guy's about to be on my show. I better know what the fuck this rock band's called. Couldn't <laughs> find it at all. So maybe you could just tell me a little bit about that. Well, I, I, uh, the band was, uh, I mean, as when I was young, I played like, you know, hard rock, like, uh, GNR, uh, Aerosmith type of rock yeah, and ACDC, that thing. And then as I got older, I, uh, got way into Wilco and alt country, like Lucinda Williams, Sunvolt, Jayhawks, Wallflowers, all that stuff. And uh, learned guitar in a year, wrote a record and uh, did a record uh, that Linda Perry uh, basically put out and uh, ended up touring for years as, you know, uh, singer songwriter style way into like Springsteen and and that kind of stuff. And then after years of uh, playing music, 25 years, it just kind of ran its course, you know, illegal downloading, not making any money. And, <laughs> I don't know uh, what you're talking about, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like, well, if I'm not going to make any money, I might as well try something I've always wanted to do, which was stand up comedy. I wanted to do comedy as a kid. But when I was a kid in the 70s, there wasn't like YouTube or uh, that kind of thing, you know, to show you how to do comedy or learn or, you know, it was like it felt like it was adults. And when I look back on it now, they were only in their 20s, like John Belushi and <laughs> right. And and Carlin and all those guys. They seemed like old men, but they weren't. They just had sideburns. <laughs> so they looked old. <laughs> it was you the know, sideburns like, that sold it, man. <laughs> sideburns will make you look like you ever look at bands like your favorite bands in the 70s and you go, yeah, these, they look like they're 38. Dude. And they're in their early twenties. I think that's the, I think that's still true today, though. Like everybody, like you're a teenager, someone who's in their twenties seems so fucking old. And then you're like, now that now that you look back after being through your twenties, you're like, dude, I didn't know shit yet. Like I was a fucking idiot. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I always uh, laugh about like when we were looking for band members. You know, the the ad would say back in the day, and the recycler or band magazine would say, uh, you know, pro equipment. No druggies, can't be over 22, you know, 20, 23. If somebody 27 came in, you'd be like, this guy's ancient. Yeah, you'd be like, you know? I don't want to, I don't want to have the older brother syndrome here in the band. He's not going to fit in. You got to all be the relatively the same age, right? It just seemed old, you know, like, yeah. and, and a lot of people like always say like, well, Greta Van Fleet, they're so young. I go, 
No, you don't understand. All the bands were that age. That's yeah. the age every band was that you've ever liked. They're just some bands are still around now. So you think the bands are old, but well, you know, yeah. everybody was in their twenties when they started. Yeah. Late teens, early twenties, every single one of them. I think, I think you were mentioning on the podcast with, uh, I think it was, uh, let there be talk with brand. My buddy from uh, Mastodon love that dude. And I was, I was so happy to hear him on your show. And yeah. I think you, you made the point that like Skinner wrote, um, uh, uh, Freebird when they were oh, yeah. like 16, 17 years old or some shit. Yeah. He said that. And, uh, and, and that's when I brought up the that's point right. of like, you know, that's how old people were. I mean, all the bands, there's no, you know, I started comedy at 44 and I'm 56 now I've, and it's been a grind, you know, but I'm starting to get somewhere, but, can you imagine starting a band in your forties? There's just no fucking way. I, I don't know about starting. I mean, even keeping one going into your forties is, is, is a, is a task in itself, but to get totally. the motivation and the inspiration to not be, I don't know. Oh. I mean, I think comedy makes more sense. Uh, you could correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm not a comedian. You're, 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 yeah. you're, you're seasoned vet in it now. Um, I think comedy makes more sense as you get older. Cause you can kind of be a crotchety old man in comedy and you can't really do that in music <laughs> for the most part. Well, you, um, as a comedian, uh, the longer you live, the more life experiences you have. So hopefully the material will be way more original and not be like, Oh, you know, my, my roommate ate my cereal or whatever, right. you know, whatever you're fucking talking about. Uh, but, there, you know, I went in pretty naive because I, I was looking at all these comedians I loved and they were in their 40s. And I thought like, oh, well, it's cool. And uh, little did I know. Well, yeah, they're in their 40s, but they've been doing it for 25 years. Like Bill Burr just passed 30 years last week. So mine, you know, I was naive, thank God. And I thought the industry just loves the older guys. Well, they love them because they had built this you know, thing that they've been grinding. They've been paid their dues. dues. So here I am at 44 and I'm watching people uh, just, you know, get TV shows and specials and everything that are like 24 that are opening for me. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then you start to realize, oh, okay, I get it. There's ageism and everything, you know, (laughs) and it's just the truth, you know, but thank God, you can uh, build something on your own now, and the the gatekeepers don't mean as much as they used to. You know, Man. YouTube and podcasting and yeah. uh, all that, dude. You, and you're absolutely right. And it's only getting further from that too. Like with the with what we've gotten used to in the Web two world, as they call it, and you mentioned YouTube and all these and podcasts and places like this. I mean, that's just the start of it. We're, we're moving further and further away from needing anybody to help you out with anything, really. I mean, you, you create your own community and you take it with you into the next part. It's just going gonna, gonna to be quite amazing for uh, artists and creators of all sorts. I, and I can't wait for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, uh, I often say that, uh, you know, the era I grew up in, there's a lot of tumbleweeds out there now where they just blowing around like, there's no good music anymore. And those people are crazy, you know, like, or I'm not learning the computer. Fuck that, man. I, I, I want the big deal. And it's like, that shit is long gone, buddy. You know, yeah. and you're, you know, eventually just get a job and uh, grind out what you're doing on the side and hope something happens. 
or you're just you're not going to do any art you know people that don't want to work it's it's they're out i work seven days a week podcasting writing jokes uh voiceover auditions touring booking my flights hotels everything it's seven days a week you know about 15 18 hours a day yeah and i mean uh, maybe you could speak to this too for me you're working when you're a creator and artist you're 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 in the grind there's the actual things that you have to get done uh in that 15 hour period right but it's not like you just stop working either like because it's you it's a part of you you're not there's no time off like there's no fucking uh time card at the end of the day where i'm like oh i'm done working for today it's that's never the fucking case right no no it's so funny like you know, when you're young, you get into that uh, that format of uh, five days a week and then the weekend, you know? <laughs> it's like, nah, I never know what day it is, ever, nah. ever. Like, I was on stage a couple nights ago, and I go, Tuesday night, and they're like, it's uh, Wednesday. You know, the <laughs> audience, they said it all okay. I was like, ah, it's all the fucking same, <laughs> you Dude, know? How's it been getting back in front of crowds? Uh, as you mentioned, uh, I, I know that... Uh, for a while, you weren't doing that much like most most comedians, and everything's been back now for a little, for a minute now. Like, how was how was those uh, pre show jitters the first time going back in front, or were you just was it just all excitement and ready to fucking work on or get some of that material out that you've been working on for a while? Well, pre COVID, I probably would take off about twenty days a year. Uh, 20 days a year, you know, I worked That's, every yeah. day. I just never miss a day. I love comedy. It's not working to me. I wait all day to do stand up. That's what I wait to do. Right. And so most comics that are in the heat of the, the game right now, they don't take any days off, maybe one. And to take off eight months, it was like eight that we couldn't get on stage. Yeah. It was like starting over again. And the first show I did, I started doing those kind of guerrilla outdoor shows, rooftops, parks, beaches. I was right. doing comedy all over the back yeah. of a truck. I saw you on the back of a truck. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it, some some place, but it was definitely in the back of the truck. I saw that one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, funny. yeah. So we're just kind of doing comedy. It was total guerrilla. Just yeah. show up. They would secretly email the audience where it was and you show up and uh, you do comedy and then you're out of there. And the first time I went back on after eight months was just insane. And I had to kind of dust some stuff off because uh, I was touring with Burr and he was going to do a Texas tour in December last year and uh, outdoors. It was freezing. We did this outdoors tour like on the side of highways and shit. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, there was one gig where we could just we were in the flight pattern in, in Dallas and just every joke. Oh, <laughs> How do you get through a fucking set with that? You guys are Fuck maniacs. It. it was nuts. We're like, <laughs> and it's an actual shed, an amphitheater. But with bands, I guess they just don't hear that shit, you know? Which, which amphitheater is that? I mean, I'm I don't sure know what I it's played. It. I'm not. Yeah, and I, I don't know what it's called, but right next to it is a freeway, and then there's a, a airport. I think it's DWR or whatever that airport yeah. is. No, I'm then, trying to, I'm, I'm just trying to rack my brain. I'm like, there's, I know I've had to have fucking played this thing and I can't think of it either uh, right now. Oh my God. It was hilarious and, and bad at the same time, but it was freezing. It was like 32, but the people, the fans 
were so happy to get out of their house. They were in like sleeping bags out there and shit on oh, the, man, on the lawn, you know, people but, are uh, starved for entertainment, man. Live entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was, uh, really hard to get into the rhythm. And also I had pretty severe COVID before that. So I had like COVID fog. So oh. I, I would, oh, be you, there, you like, got the first round then, huh? Yeah, I got the OG real shit. Yeah, you you're know? fucking, you're a goat, dude. You're you're an OG goat for a yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you and my so wife both. Did you lose your uh, your smell and taste for a long time? No, but I oh. got the first mock that didn't uh, have. I didn't hear about that till a couple months later into COVID. I got it, and I remember I. I I was doing a bit where I say, uh, I like when people get COVID and then they try to figure out where they got it, like an STD. You know? <laughs> yeah, dude, the follow-up. Yeah, they're like, well, I was at the Starbucks, so it was either that barista or uh, the fucking bathroom over at Ralph's, you know? Dude, that's, just yeah. that's fucking hilarious. Like, like as if as if you're yeah. gonna fucking know. Like you're gonna go back. You gave me COVID. <laughs> what fucking yeah, like difference I, does it make? Yeah. <laughs> and you were perfect I'm, everywhere else, I'm sure. Like, come on. Yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 actually touch eight thousand things a day and you don't even realize it, you know. So Right. Um, but I think I got it. I went to see Dead and Company New Year's Eve in San Fran. So uh, that was uh Jan, uh, you know, December 31st of, uh, I guess, what is that? 19 or 20? I don't know when COVID 2020. Started. It was 2020. We're coming up on, we're in March right now. And I remember vividly when everything shut down here in Southern California. It was yeah, March it was, 11th. It was, well, here in Huntington, maybe we were a little late here in Huntington, Orange County, because yeah. it was St. Patrick's Day. And I went, I like, I'm, I'm a guy who like doesn't watch the news enough and, but I was hearing it was serious and stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to do what I need to do. This seems pretty serious. But that day I still went to my neighbors and handed out uh, green jello shots for St. Patrick's yeah. day. Yeah. And then the next day it was like, Oh shit. And then like, obviously for like six weeks, I didn't leave the fucking house, but like, well, I remember um, the Bon Scott tributed. This is the two year anniversary of it today, March 10th. And so that would have been, um, oh, wow, right before everything shut down. Yeah, wow. so then we, and I pay for the whole thing myself and had no insurance or anything. You're not thinking about any of that. And then, you know, people were emailing me that day like, hey, I'm flying in from Tennessee. It's not going to be canceled, is it? I'm like, what? What are you out of your mind? Can't know. <laughs> and then the next day was LA shut down. So uh -huh. we got in by the skin. I would have lost all my say. Like, I have no money. I put it all into that thing, you know, it cost big money, rent the venue, the chairs, the insurance, the, oh, the rehearsals, the equipment. I, I, I you get, gotta, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm sorry to cut you off there though, but I mean, that's super interesting to me that you do You didn't like get, go out and get like a sponsor for it. Cause I mean, you had big names. You had Bill Burr on drums back there. You had Nikki six, Scott Ian. I yeah. mean, yeah. yeah. Like, well, what, what the deal is, is it, 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 believe it or not, this is the weirdest thing. I do this gig and I always think it's going to sell out in one day because Bill Burr sells out like the LA Forum. You know, mm -hmm. he's playing there and uh, coming up here May 5th. And, you know, he sells out, uh, he's doing an arena tour. So yeah. I'm like, oh, well, you know, we'll have him and Marin and, and, uh, and then these big names like Brad Wilk from Rage and Scotty Ian and yeah. St uh, Steve Gorman from the Black Crows and, uh, uh, you know, everybody, Big fucking names, man, <laughs> everyone that's been in arenas yeah, for a while, Larry from Primus. And 
So you, oh, you had, gonna sell? I didn't see that one. I'm dude. I'm such a oh, huge yeah. Primus fan. Such a huge Primus oh, fan. Great giant. So you know, I always think it's gonna sell out right away, mm -hmm. and it doesn't, man. It takes like all the way to the last minute. So I'm always freaking out. And you know, I've tried to get some sponsors and stuff over the years, but uh, they're just so slow on it. You know, it's it's kind of like we, we you know. Uh, I mean, my goal, my dream is to do it at the L.A. Forum, film the whole thing as a comedy rock concert, tribute to Bond and Malcolm. And, you know, that's my dream to do this cool thing of um, these comedians all love ACDC. And well, who doesn't we, love ACDC? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> you know, ACDC and the Ramones, those are uh, bands that every and, and Motorhead. Those are the three universal loves, you know? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. To that point, though, I got to ask the question, though. I'm a little younger. I didn't I wasn't around. I didn't like live through the transition into Brian Johnson. I just heard it. And then, you know, I was my my father grew me up on Dirty Deeds. I loved Bon Scott like that. I love the way he had just had a different style. And Brian Johnson comes in. It filled the shoes pretty fucking well uh, for you when you were, when you're living through that transition as a huge ACDC fan. Were, were, were you receptive or were you one of the guys that's like, yeah, it's not fucking Bond Scott. I don't like it. No, no. Um, matter of fact, I think that Brian Johnson's Back in Black, Those About to Rock and Flick of the Switch are Great some records. of the greatest records ever made. Agreed. And for me, it was it was shocking because uh, I had seen Bond and I love Bond and I love ACDC. They were my band. It was shocking that he was dead. And then it was even more shocking that a new record came out. Because back then you didn't have the internet or anything. I, yeah. I just had ACDC on my podcast, Let Them Be Talk. And it was the first podcast they ever did. And I was dying to ask them because, you know, there's all these, you know, questions. Did Bond write back in black? And they're not saying anything, you know? So... Because this record came out like months later and, and, you know, I, I, I went down, I remember specifically, I went to tower records. I bought it. I rode the bus there. I rode the bus all the way back, opened it up, looked at it. There's the singer. He's got a hat on. It's kind of weird. Okay. There he is. You know, you don't have internet. You're not seeing anything. You don't know anything. You put it on hell's bells comes on and, uh, you know, the first second he comes on, you're kind of like, hmm, I don't, I don't know. This is kind of, all right. And then the next song comes on, you're like, yeah, yeah. And by the third day, I was like, this fucking record's insane. And the production, you know, like, the production on that album when it first came out was second to none, too. I mean, up until that point, they'd had great records and good sounding records, but I feel like that was the time, you know, similar that Metallica would do it later with the Black Album, where they really focused on the, the, the sonic value to their, to their music and really took it to that level on Back in Black. Yeah, I mean, Mutt Lang, you know, he killed it with Highway to Hell. And, mm -hmm. and if you listen to Highway to Hell and you listen to Back in Black and Those About to Rock yeah. and, and Def Leppard's High and Dry, which he also did. And he, of course, he did the big, big Def Leppard records, too. But when you listen to those, I always say there's no dated tricks on it. There's no dated reverbs. There's right. no like later Def Leppard gets into that. Which is cool to hear. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I, I, oh, listen totally. to, I listen to all that shit, but like, I agree oh, with yeah. you. Like, yeah, the, yeah. The, the timeless, he did a great job or the, the, those artists you're saying, the, those albums did a great job of keeping 
the the sound timeless in a way. Yeah, yeah, and you got to think about you know they hired um, they hired first to do Highway to Hell uh, Eddie Kramer who did the Hendrix records. And he came in and he's like, yeah, I want you guys to do a cover. And they're like, fuck this guy. And they fire him after a couple of weeks. And then they get Mutt Lang, who's 100% unknown, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so they, they, uh, it was lightning in a bottle. Songwriting went to another level of Highway to Hell and, and Back in Black. And Mutt Lang was I think learning to like I'm gonna experiment. I hear stuff that people aren't doing, and uh, so it was all chemistry, lightning in a bottle, work ethic, grind, and the most important thing is the songs. The songwriting was next level. Right. You know, the songwriting's great on Power Edge. Yes, everybody loves Power Edge. But wow. if you listen to stuff like early ACDC, there would be corny songs on there, you know, like <laughs> I've got big balls. <laughs> oh, but I love that song. No. Yeah. When Don't I was get- a kid, that was one of the staples we'd hear in, in my dad's Astro van. And, you know, when yeah. you're a five year old kid hearing a song about big balls and, you know, yeah. me and my two older brothers were laughing our asses off. It was. Hilarious. Oh, I love it. I love it. But I'm saying that they would have some tongue in cheek. Right. You know, big balls, Crab City and Blues. Squealer, which is my favorite, yeah, one of my favorites ever. Yeah. Soul Stripper, all that stuff, really cool. But by the time you get to Highway to Hell and you get Night Prowler, you're like, what the fuck is this band? You know, it's a different band. It's a different band. And uh, Mutt and that chemistry took them uh, a long way. So, Brian, I think the, the most underrated Brian record is Flick of the Switch. That would have been any other band's fucking dopest record ever ever man and i think you know it's a lot what happens with all these bands like say kings of leon or any bands that have the big exploder record and then the fan those part-time fans come and then they kind of disappear you know black crows uh the first record i still hear people go whatever happened to the black crows you know i love she talks to Andy. Like, like, still, uh, they're still doing their thing man fucking, you ever heard of america you dumb, <laughs> yeah. you know but um, that you know that that those about to rock and flick of the switch, I think are are I like for those about to rock these days more than back in black because it's so yeah. dark and weird and and slow. It's really what, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, on on uh, Razor's Edge? I, I I grew up with that on cassette. Yeah, and uh, I it, it was all over. So that was my era when I was like discovering music for myself in a way. Uh, not really. I mean, I guess my 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 brothers and father introduced me to ACDC, but it was like that album. I mean, Thunderstruck was on MTV and shit. The the Money Talks video was all over MTV. So that album was like kind of my my ACDC record, just because you know, just the age that I was. Right. 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 Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. 
I mean, uh, you know, I think ACDC over all of their records has two or three unreal tunes. Right. And with that particular record, you know, I'm not a fan of uh, when Phil's not in the band drumming. Uh, I don't like the feel of the uh, of the of the band, but the songwriting, like I said, once again, just every record, they have a couple tunes that would just go skyrocket and carry them all the way through right. Uh, to right now. You know, I thought their last record was, Dude, had was sad. Oh, man, it had some cool ass shit on it, you yeah. know. And I'm not a guy who's just like a fan of like, it's all great, man. You know, like I don't like fly on the wall record at all, mm -hmm. you know? So um, I, I, I critique them, but I love them to death. A lot of bands, I, I stick with bands all the way through, you know, like Metallica. Uh, I just opened for Metallica two nights. Yeah. I was going to, I was, I was going to ask you about that 40th anniversary, right? Yeah. Over in the Bay. Are you in the Bay right now? No, I mean, I live in L.A. Oh, you live in L.A. now. You, you grew up up there, though, right? Yeah, but I lived in L.A. for the last 22 years now. Oh, and I was living in New York also until COVID. I was bi-coastal. I was back and forth for three years. Had an apartment in Gramercy and uh, placed here. And then Dude, that's, uh, that's that's two of the best worlds, though, man. I love oh, I love getting out. I, for me, I love to go out and spend a lot of time in New York. I don't think I'd live there year round. But like going out there and getting that piece, because I live in Orange County. It's not small, but it's not very, it's not a metropolitan city by any means. And getting that taste of that too. And like immersing myself with going down to the market and grabbing shit. Like we don't do that here in Huntington Beach. You go to a grocery store. You don't go to the fucking local yeah. market and pick up food. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, the bodega. Yeah, yeah, the bodega. There, there it is. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I enjoy the shit out of that. We usually go out to New York to mix our records and we'll stay there for a few weeks and I fucking immerse myself and it's beautiful oh yeah yeah i mean it's it's great to get both you know especially uh culturally and artistically and uh you know different races and sexualities and and uh and beliefs and religions and architecture and food and and music and and vibe i i believe that you know I really think that if more people were forced to live in different situations, there would, uh, it would really knock down some, uh, homophobia and, uh, religion, uh, race and, and racism, you know, I totally agree. I think people, a lot of it is a lot of it is people get in their ways just in their, in their bubble. And if, they, yeah. if you're not traveling and experiencing all this stuff, you don't, you're not putting yourself in someone else's shoes ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't mean to yeah. keep interrupting you, but I'm just like, I'm vibing with it. I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Like I always say like, I, I didn't go to college. I dropped out of high school and joined this fucking band that I'm in. And, but I got what I got from traveling the world through my twenties and it was my college years. And that, that opened my mind to so much more out there that unfortunately a lot of people don't get. And that's kind of where their, where their hate and insecurity comes from. Right. Well, that's why the small minded, you right. know, they're just like, you know, like I do a bit right now where I say, you know, wait, you're homophobic, but you're, you're at a Elton John concert. You know, <laughs> like, I, I mean, that's I, don't ironic right there. That's I don't understand what you're doing here or you watch the NBA finals and you're racist. You know, it's like, what, what, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? where's, where's the line here? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to get back to your, uh, the, uh, 
Let There Be Talk podcast. You said you had ACDC on. You're a huge ACDC yeah. fan. That must have been amazing. But you started to say, uh, before I cut you off, one of the many times I've done today, um, <laughs> there, that you were, uh, were going to ask them about if they had written it uh, back in black with, with Bon Scott. And then, because like you said, it was a few months later. Did you ever get to ask that, ask that question? I did. I, there was a, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough situation because you're, you're granted the honor of having the first, you know, ACDC being on the first podcast. Incredible, by the way. So you're not going to go after them. And also it's not a, um, it's, uh, you know, I'm not, I always say, you know, we're here to celebrate, not investigate. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to go right at him. Like, come on, bond. Right. There. I mean, there's Brian sitting right there. It's Brian and Angus. I, I interviewed the whole band, which is. That's incredible, you know, man. That's Phil so, Rudd. That's so cool. no one talks to Phil Rudd, you know? Yeah. And this guy is one of the greatest drummers of all time. Dude, just people laid like, it Whoa. down thick, man. Laid it yeah. down thick. And people are like, oh, yeah, what are you talking about, man? Even fucking Neil Peart. You know, it's like, yeah, I get it. You know, I get what you're talking about, but, uh, I learned big time from doing ACDC tribute once a year. You can put all the greatest drum. I've had all the greatest drummers, Dave Lombardo and, you know, from Slayer, uh, Brad Wilk, all these guys. And they all say the same thing, man, it's, it's so tough to figure out. He's just, you think he's doing nothing, but it's there, you know, and mm-hmm. everybody worships this guy's feel. My point is the band was on, and it wasn't the first question I was going to ask him, but I had to get there because if you're a giant fan like me and you you go back and you look at Brian Johnson's writing in Gordy, you know, or Jordy, sorry, uh, his other band, and and then you 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 look at the lyrics and everything, you're kind of like, well, this guy really never wrote like this, and. Uh, and then you read about stuff that happened when Bond passed, like uh, some guys came over and just took the cassettes and the and the the you know lyric books, and these are property of the label. Now, this is all hearsay, or you know, this person said this or whatever. But I'm just going off a of flavor of lyrics, and I wrote lyrics for 30 years, and I'm a singer, and I know you just it, it's almost impossible to be like They're okay, very you're, personal. Lyrics yeah, are very like, personal, right? It'd be like you're in, you know, you're, here you are, you're in uh, Led Zeppelin. Now you got to write kind of like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons kind of type of Robert Plant lyrics. And if you've never wrote that before, you just, you can't really grasp that, you know? Right. So Vaughn had that kind of poetry and tongue in cheek and those, those, those flavors that seemed to be all over back in black those about to rock and a couple songs later on, you know? So, uh, you know, I just said, how did you really write this? And Angus kind of, uh, it was interesting sec- uh, second there where he said, well, Malcolm would come in and he would have this title and he'd say here, you know, uh, he shook me all night long and, and have a kind of, so and then I was like, wait a minute, Malcolm was coming in with titles. So, you know, to me, it just seemed like they were mm. kind of had these books and some demos because, you know, uh, they said that they were working on stuff with Bond, Bond on drums, kind of demoing because Bond played drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
just working on some tunes a couple of weeks before he died. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's all, it's all what it doesn't really matter because the tunes are great, but you could see as a record company, you would be like, look, we can't say written by bond because they won't accept him. Yeah. You know, they'd be like, this is still Bond's record, you know, so we'll just come in, we'll do this. And and they've had a mystique. And uh I love mystique and bands. It's totally gone these days, but mystique is is a a a, a gem. Unfortunately, we right. can't have mystique because the the people are like, you gotta have Instagram, you gotta have Facebook, you gotta you gotta be doing this and that. When they take a shit, make sure people see it, <laughs> you know. It's like so I, I laugh because I fucking totally followed into it too, man. We used to, I used to have total mystique and then I started a podcast. I was like, well, I got to let people know about it. So I better get a yeah. fucking Instagram and a, and a Facebook yeah. and all this stuff. And I, I tried to do my own flavor with it and have fun with yeah. it rather than Same here. giving everybody everything. But you know, when you're having chats like this with cool people like you, I, I like to let people fucking know, like we're, we're having some cool music talk right now, you know? Well, it's a different era too, unfortunately. Um, all of us, all of us would not be on social media if we had the power of word of mouth, like say Metallica and ACDC had back in the day. I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful than word of mouth. Right. I and, still think uh, that's where you start, where everything has to start. Like there's that's there's, where that, and that's, yeah. you know, when you got strong word of mouth, oh man, you can slowly slip off of of social media because the people start doing the work for you. Right. And, and also people trust each other. Like, Oh dude, you got to see this comedian. He's great. And then they go. So, uh, word of mouth is, is, is gold in the art world. Uh, we need more of that, man. I always tell people like I ran into a guy a couple of days ago and I was at, uh, uh, getting a coffee and this guy comes up because hey what's your name and i go uh, uh dean del rey and he goes oh my god i saw you a couple of nights ago you were incredible i go yeah but you you didn't write down my name or anything so you you didn't remember you know <laughs> like how do you go tell someone yeah. later you know and uh and i well, get the way it. that they're I telling other some- people now though correct me if i'm wrong or in my eyes some of it is it is still kind of word of mouth when it's someone who isn't a celebrity tagging. on Instagram and they're tagging you and like sharing it and sharing right. it. like, Hey, I just saw this guy on fucking stage right here. It was absolutely hilarious. That's them telling their friends about it. Right? No, that's fantastic. But yeah. if the guy doesn't remember, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a tough gig, but I understand that too. I've, I've seen five comedians in a night back before I did comedy and they were all just great. And you're just kind of like, fuck. They're like, who'd you see? I don't know. One guy was, one guy was short and he had like a tattoo and the other guy was, uh, you know, he was, he, there was a woman there and they just, you know, that we laughed, <laughs> which is, which is great too, you know, but, uh, yeah, you're right. Instagram is the great word of mouth with tagging. I love Instagram for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah, there's, that. it's a love hate relationship though, right? You gotta, <laughs> totally, totally. But totally. something you you're talked right. about at the beginning of this uh, chat though, uh, I didn't want, I wanted to come back to is the fact that you said you learned guitar and wrote a record in one year. So you just first time, I, I know from listening to you talk a little bit, you're, you started out with a drum kit, right? And then yeah, predominantly vocalist, kill it on the vocals, lyricist. Um, and then just decided to pick up a guitar and learn it that quickly. Um, I mean, when you say learn the guitar, like enough to track, were you tracking everything or oh, enough yeah. to write? No, no, I, um, 
what I did was I, okay, I got a drum kit as a kid. Uh, a neighbor was the Pablo Cruz drummer. I don't know if you know that band. I know. I'm, I'm not familiar. They had some hit. hit they were a Bay Area band, hit some good hits, Find Your Place in the Sun. And, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of like a Doobie Brothers meets Journey. Oh, and okay. anyway, he gave me a drum kit and, uh, you know, you can't play drums with no one around. So after a few weeks, I traded it in. It was a Ludwig, a nice one. I traded it for a Gibson VSG. That was a kind of a low model called VSG. It was made okay. out of mahogany. And I loved Angus. What's I mean, the shape of that one? What's, what's the shape? It's on an one? SG like Angus. SG. But it was okay, called, gotcha. It was called VSG, the Paul. They made this low end uh, line to kind of compete with uh, people that were making copy guitars. Right. So I got that and I'm trying to learn, you know, Angus licks and stuff. And then everybody in my neighborhood played guitar. No one sang. So they're like, dude, you got to sing. I'm like, ah, I guess, you know, I, 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 like nobody wants to sing. It's so nerve wracking. Especially when you're picking, I, everyone forgets, like as a musician, you're picking up and playing with other musicians at like 12 years old for the first time in the garage. You know, your 12 year old voice isn't fucking that appealing. Like no one wants to go up there and fucking yeah. hit, yeah, hit yeah. up the mic. You know, I, I a hundred percent agree. It's, you know, you're, and, and you're also doing covers of some of the greatest singers ever. You're right. like doing Rob Halford, you know, breaking the law, breaking the, you know, you're going to go like, hit that. You're going yeah, to go hit law. some high notes on it. Just yeah. go for it. Yeah. And then you're doing Maiden, you know, run to the hills uh, and you're yeah. doing Queen, you know, I mean, these guys are genius singers and, oh, and, of course. and the other guys can kind of hide it with a bunch of distortion and noise, you know, yeah. and movements. So, um, I started singing and then uh, years and years and years went by. I was in some bands and I kept thinking like, you know, I, I was the slave to whatever the guitar player was writing. Mm. So whatever guitar player or keyboard player I was working with, whatever they were writing, I would have to come up. And if it wasn't exactly what I was really trying to get towards, uh, I was kind of frustrated. So I ran the course of that and I said, you know what? I'm going to get an acoustic guitar. I bought this thing called Learn Guitar on the VCR. It was a, oh, no, it was you had a, a VHS tape for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. VHS yes. tape in the ni- in 90, I guess it's 96, you know, right around there, seven, uh, 97. I went to Costco and bought one of those TVs with uh, it was a combo. With, the combo. the combo. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I yeah. my buddy's got an old nineties uh, limousine and it still has one of those combos yeah. in it. And I had some old yeah. VHS tapes of like Metallica and Iron Maiden and shit. And I yeah. just like I gave it to him. I, I donated it to his limousine. He could still play him and everything. So great. Yeah. But, you know. So I got learned guitar in the VCR and then I rented a studio behind uh, Guitar Center on uh, off of Mission Street in San Fran. Mm-hmm. And, and I rented it, I think it was like, uh, you know, 250 a month. And I went in there every day for about eight hours a day with this VCR. And, you know, of course, I, you know, is C, G, D, E, you know, just yeah. going... But it was really more about going through the, you know, the chords quick, you know, 
fat. I'm not playing power chords. I'm I'm kind of you know getting into the Neil Young. Yeah, you got to get you got to get the claw going. You can't just right. A lot of people right. think you're just gonna slide to. It's like no no no. You have to already have the position as you're coming down on the neck. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you're just learning the movement of the right, right hand. And the left hand, and it's like rubbing your head, and you know, <laughs> you're that thing, you know. And uh, thank God I had already sang for years and years, so the singing would just come out uh, naturally, you know, just come out. And as I was doing that over a year period, I was slowly writing songs uh, that were turning into, uh, you know, the record that came out. It's called Lone Mountain Serenade, it's on um, iTunes. Oh, but, dude, I got to uh, check that out. What, and yeah. it's just uh, by Dean Del Rey? Yeah, and it's Americana, kind of roots rock. And I played a lot of shows. I opened for Tom Petty, uh, Lucinda Williams. I opened for, uh, you know, I did a full Wallflowers tour. Oh, I shit. did all kinds. Yeah, all kinds of touring. So would you say you're like in that? So when you say the Americana, in that vein in that oh, those yeah, acts full, were with? Okay. I mean, Tom Petty was the god to me. Okay, know? fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, love, he's love the Tom god Petty, to me. Man. Love so I, I learned the guitar and then... Um, the funny thing was I just had this uh, huge producer on Jakir King who did all the Kings of Leon records and Tom Waits and stuff. So I, I, I rent this, stu I, I buy studio time at night at the studio for cheap called uh, toast. And I meet this guy and we do this record Jakir King. And later on, you know, he does, he wins, he's got 40 Grammy nominees now. He has three wins. He did Tom Waits' Mule Variations, which is one of the greatest records ever made. He also did uh, the huge, huge Kings of Leon record with Sex on Fire and all that. This guy lives in Nashville and killed it after he did my record, you know. <laughs> but we made a great record. And Are you still I, in touch with him? I think uh, he was just, on Let There Be Talk, right? I just had him on Monday, and it was the first time I had talked to him in about 18 years. Oh, how'd that go, man? It was great, man. And it really, uh, it took me back to those music days and how, how we were both just figuring out our next wave in life, you know, me as a singer songwriter and him as a producer, you know, and, uh, it was so organic. We were just in there and I had great players. I had guys from the counting crows, uh, play on the record, David Emmergluck and, and, um, this incredible keyboard player named Ben Jacobs, who was just B3 God. And then my best Dude, friend, I think Joey I know Ben Jacobs. I think he might've done some B3 stuff for us on something. That name sounds wow. really familiar. Well, that'd be wild. If he it did. sounds really that, familiar. It could be something amazing. similar. It could be something similar, but I, I'll, I'll have to check my records and get back to you on that one. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. You know, I, I, B3 to me just makes a record. To me, God, you get B three on so it. much fun. We we messed oh. around with that a lot on our self self titled record when we were just experimenting in the studio. That that was like our experimental, our first experimental album. I'll say where we was just yeah. us producing it and we just fucking went wild. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was great to have Ben Montench on the podcast. Tom Petty's keyboard player, oh, you know, shit. because he's one of the greatest ever. And Rami Jaffe is a great, great player. Who's been in, uh, he was in the wallflowers for years and now he's been in Foo Fighters for like 20 years, but, uh, there's some great B3 players out there that, uh, it, you know, I mean, you know, Ed, the B3 player for, uh, black crows, I thought was the greatest ever to play, you know, 
And he took that band to another level. You know, you'll have a rock band and then you add B3 and Clavinet and Fender Rhodes and Wurlitzer into it. And it just gives a, this incredible depth to the band. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's just, uh, it's layering it up and filling it all out and, and having its own style. Absolutely. Love it. Well, you, you, you said that, uh, so this act the the, or I'm sorry, act your, your, your record that you put out was, uh, with, uh, just the Dean Del Rey. And that was with the, is that the one that was with Linda Perry? No, she actually did a, a record the, of a band I was in called Tulane Blacktop. And then when I left that okay. group, um, <clears throat> I went to uh, do the solo record and then I put the solo record out uh, on my own, which was great because oh, awesome. uh, I was able to make some pretty good money out on the road. Yeah, so I was just back when say, you, you, you own it yourself and put it out on iTunes these days, like that's, that's uh, yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it on Spotify and everything too? Is it just, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere streaming. All right. Everyone go check that out. Get, put some money in this guy's pocket, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I think I, I think last week, uh, last month, I got uh, I think it was uh, seventy two cents. Fucking hey, bro! <laughs> almost you enough, know, I, <laughs> almost enough for the value for a, an item off the value meal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. You know what? I don't even miss playing music at all. I love comedy really? so much more, and um, uh, you know, no regrets at all. But I wish that I would have stopped music about five years sooner. Cause you know, in the last five years, I was just kind of, yeah, man, I gotta, I gotta keep doing this. This is what I do, you know. Mm-hmm. But if I would have started comedy like five years younger, I would have been forty instead of forty-four or thirty-nine, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, and, I wasn't gonna correct you on your math there, Dean. I was gonna yeah, let yeah, that slide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. And I was like, but it, you know what. I don't. I don't think about any of that, man. Everything is uh, happens for a reason. I, I believe. A big believe in a uh, in uh, organic life and just wake up each day and see what happens, man. You know, yeah. like I'm. I'm a comedian now, and I fucking love it, man. That's so great. I'm so. I'm. I'm I could see that you love it, and like for you to give up something that you were passionate about for so long, and just kind of. Ran, ran, the, ran it through the mill, I guess, and then come out the other side just finding something else that you're super passionate about. I think it's so fucking awesome, man. I'm happy for you because that's, that's like, that's, that's this podcast for me, right? I just started it a couple years ago and I'm like, I'm having so much fun talking to professionals like yourself um, and, and getting to know what's making you guys tick and seeing the, the happiness that, uh, that, that, this, uh, that this project or that you've been doing for 12 years now um is or more i'm i'm i could be bad at math i thought you said 44 in your 50s yeah 12 and a half years whatever you know yeah so yeah i just i just it's just awesome to see that passion and um how was speaking on that passion how was it after being a huge metallica fan obviously growing up in the bay area and then coming and doing that uh opening set for their 40th anniversary um for those two nights like what was that like how'd that come to be well, I did two nights. It was funny because I had gone to the 30 year anniversaries at the Fillmore, mm. which I think are some of the greatest shows I ever seen in my life. Dude, Fillmore is such a cool, cool room. Oh, I love it. And at one point when they first went on, they opened with Call of Cthulhu uh, on yes. the first night. They played, I think it was five or six nights, maybe five. And they did different sets and had all different people sit in and play, you know, all their uh, idols from King Diamond and Rob Alford. And, you know, uh, the original Mustaine was up there. It was just insane, you know, week. So I was uh, new 
the weight of a uh, 40 year anniversary. I knew that it was going to be huge, you know, and they asked me to do it. It was funny. I was, I was, I got a colonoscopy and I was just coming out of the drug, you know, I was kind of, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And I got this call and it said Q prime, which is, I knew Yeah, their management, their management yeah. company. Yeah. And I was like, what are these, what the fuck is this call? I got to take this right now. I'm still kind of, I'm, I mean, I'm seriously just coming out of it. I go, hello. And they go, is this Dean Del Rey? And I go, yeah. And he goes, yeah, we're wondering if you want to uh, open doing stand up two nights for Metallica on their 40 year anniversary. And I was like, uh, yeah. can I call you back? <laughs> and they go, yeah. And then I was like, what the fuck? And so I call him 30 minutes later to make sure I wasn't, I didn't hallucinate that. Right. Cause that shit is fucking strong. Is it? I've never, I've never had a colonoscopy yet. I'm, I'm, oh I'm not my there yet. God. That shit is great. Is that it drug, that drug? You you know you understand why Michael Jackson was on it all the time. <laughs> what <laughs> drug is it? What drug do they give you? It's that propopol stuff, oh, man. Shit. It's just like you're just you you feel so good. You're like well, they be, they better make you feel pretty good before they start shoving shit up your ass, right? Yeah. I, well, it's so funny because I was kind of half awake for a minute of it, and I'm looking at the screen. You, it's a big plasma screen, and it just looks like they're on Mars, you know, <laughs> and they're in their ass, you yeah. know? <laughs> they're like, oh, whoa. And then I, so I call the guy back, and I go, hey, uh, I just got a colonoscopy. I was kind of out of it, but did you ask me to open for Metallica? He goes, yeah, and he's laughing. I go, oh, oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> and then I hung up. And about an hour later, I was like, what the fuck did I just do? I just said, yeah, this is insane. It's like my favorite band. I, I, you know, I got to, what am I going to do? So I had about a week and, uh, it, it, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to figure out. I mean, dude, if your favorite band asks you to open as a comedian, just say no. Because <laughs> it is fucking nerve wracking, man. So I went up, uh, I did the first show and it was pretty rough because it's in the round and they wanted me to introduce these videos and the videos weren't working. So oh, technical like, difficulties on top yeah, oh, of it. Yeah, yeah, ah, yeah. And, uh, and I'm trying to do local references because I grew up in the Bay Area and I've known Metallica 39 years. So I'm talking about this and that. And I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, these guys are from Brazil. Oh, this is Ecuador. Oh, fucking Tennessee. Not this, none of these local references are going to work. And it's all, it's all survival. And they, and they also, they threw, oh, uh, they got DJ uh, Lord, who's incredible, who's a mm -hmm. uh, public enemies DJ up there with me. So basically 20 minutes before the show, they're just like, you two create an hour. Thank you. We'll see you in a little bit. And I'm like, what? You know, like create an hour. And they're like, yeah, here's what we're going to do. You go up, tell some jokes, have DJ Lord spin, introduce a video, then tell some more jokes, DJ Lord spin, introduce some videos, you know? So wow, that was the thing. And, and basically DJ Lord and I had to find a chemistry and a game plan in about 30, 40 minutes uh, of the first night, figure out what we we're going to do. We didn't know each other, nothing. And the technical difficulties were happening. It was brutal. Yeah. So the first night was, you know, it was bumpy. I, it, towards the end, I started to fi figure it out because I was right. really, I, I was up there three different sets. 
You know, at one point they just kept me up there. They kept going, keep going. The videos aren't working. I was like, oh, Shit, wow, man. What so did you then, riff uh, about for that? Like, I mean, if you, I was just, I started to do some bits and then, um, I just was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do, cause my original plan was go up. If it's three sets, you go up and you kind of riff like, Hey, we're all here. Metallica. Fuck. Yeah. Love this band. I first saw them here. And then, you know, give them a little history of, uh, myself and Metallica and, and riff on some people in the crowd. And then DJ Lord would play. And then the second one, I'd go up and do some kind of one liners and quicker jokes. And then the third set, I would just do a full set. You know, that was my plan. But when the videos didn't work and shit, I was like, oh, well, I can't just do the full set. And, you know, you got to think this is, uh, you know, people are still coming in. It's, you know, or, you know, people are walking around. And I had opened for bands before I did a tour with Alice in Chains. And you figure out how to do it, you know. Um, but the second night, DJ Lord and I went to the venue earlier. And we're like, look, we can't have the videos down. We need to know what's exactly going on. And we want to put together a professional show because, you know, this band means the world to me. And DJ Lord felt the same way. And, and it was just like, we, we're not here to fuck around. We want to give them a show. And so they got us the videos ahead of time. I wrote a lot of notes on the videos because the videos were like the history of the band and they were different each night. Were they like home videos too? Or what kind of videos? No, they were put together over the years of like fans, what the band meant to them. It was uh, clips from all their eras. Kind of like a documentary style though, but like done. (laughs) Yeah. Gotcha. And there were, and there were each like two, three minutes cut up through the, you know, the thing. And then through the show, they were showing videos. It was a wild format. I really liked it. It was cool. But uh, they gave us all the info. DJ Lord and I fucking powered down and and buckled down and, and figured out, okay, let's go up and fucking rock it. And right when we walked out on Sunday night, the second night, we could tell it was a different crowd. They were fired up. The band introduced us too. I forgot to tell you, the band introduced us, which right on. was great and made They're such hard, good dudes. Yeah, that, that yeah. yeah, they they've always been great about that too, man. Like, well, like I was saying when we first did it, uh, a tour with them, and our one of our first shows with them, they're like during their set before we're even going on during the day, they come backstage and like, hey, come back, come up, we're gonna do a Ramones cover. Yeah, and you guys are gonna sing with us. So they yeah. they're they're showing their fans like we back these guys. So I think that's right. cool that they did that for you too, man. It was great, man. I got a killer video of them introducing me. Lars is like, our boy from the hometown right here, Dean Delray is with us. You know, I love I love the impersonation. I love Lars impersonations because becoming friendly with him over the years. uh, I just I love hearing everybody's uh, impersonations of him. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I back Lars to the grave. You know, anybody that talks shit about him, I'm like, fuck you. The yeah, guy yeah. is he's such a good he's such a good dude he's, he's a such great a smart, human he's brilliant he's yeah i mean oh good he's got drive and uh you know he's he's fucking one of the main reasons metallica is around right and uh you know he came into the dress room he's like it's gonna be totally different you know it's not a regular comedy show <laughs> you know i'm like i i know <laughs> so it was great we went up and we fucking destroyed, you know, like we really put it together and figured it out. That's awesome. And we felt so good after the show. And 
after that, they had a party and Lars came up. He goes, see, you guys figure it out. We get better. If we were on the road by the fifth day, we would both be just a steamroller. And he's right. You know, you just figure out, you know, look, I've done 5,000 shows and maybe 20 of them are open for bands. It's a total different animal. And I respect bands that uh, get an idea of let's do something different. And now we just got to get the audiences on it. And a lot of times well, rock, the audience- rock, rock audiences are pretty, <clears throat> they're, they're pretty into what they, they, they seem to be a little bit apprehensive to come along with, with some new ideas. They always, they do come around, but they, yeah. they, they seem to be the fan base. If we're talking about different genres and stuff that t- they kind of drag their heels just a little bit on some stuff. Yeah, they do. But uh, with comedy being so big now, again, yeah. um, I, a lot of these people love comedy. I think the way it works the best is I learned from touring with Allison Chains. If it's theaters and their seats, comedy kills. Because people are like, well, fuck it. We're just sitting here waiting for the band. Let's check this out. But if they're standing up and they're walking around with beers and they're just kind of like, you know, oh, we're at the show, you know, and getting merch and stuff, it's really difficult to wrangle it. And then when you're in the round at a Metallica show, I mean, you got people all around. So comedy is all about the faces and the, and the you know, the delivery and everything. So you have to rely on the screens above you and trust the, the screens right. that they're watching that and, and go a little bigger with your faces. Like, what the fuck? Do you, you know, do you, are you, are, do people. you try to play to the camera? Cause I, I, I know everyone has a different style when they're, because you got the screens behind, you know, I, I, I often like think like, should I be playing to this camera? Cause I know I got this fucking big screen behind right. me for the people in the back. And you try to do it a little bit, but then you don't want to come off like a fucking douche. So, right, so, right, yeah. Like, it's that fine line. How, how, how do you walk it? Well, Metallica had this, the cameras are all over the place, so you right. don't even see them, and it's That's in the great. round, and the whole screen, the whole stage was a screen. Um, but like I did Red Rocks this year with uh, Burr, and he shot his new special there. And uh, the way I, I don't play to the screens, uh, to the cameras at all, uh, but I know the screens are up there. So, like I said, you just have to trust the screens for the people in the back. So I might be a little bigger facials and movement wise, like, ah, you know, I'm not Chris Farley in it. I'm not rolling around like, uh, you know, but I am. Uh, and, and also, you know, Marin taught me something when I did the first big, big rooms, the first arenas and, and theaters. He goes, hey, man, you, you're going to you got this. You've been doing comedy, you know, thousands of sets. Just remember this. you got to go slow in the big rooms because it takes a long time for the whole room to catch the laugh. And thank God he told me that because when you're like I did the L.A. Forum and you're only hearing the first 10 rows of, of actual laughs yeah. right there. So you don't want to time, you know, the laughs are your drummer. So you don't want the timing just to be on the 10 in there because you'll steamroll over because the back is getting it just a hair slower. Right. I never so it's thought interest- about that. That is yeah, that's I didn't super either. interesting. Th- thank God he told me that, you know, because it uh, you get the animal of that, you know, uh, of that arena. It's It's different. It's different. Yeah. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five-star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, 
head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat one-on-one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned, stay thirsty, and stay filthy as fuck. I mean, that's, I mean, it, it's so funny in a different way for music. I mean, that's, that's what we made a conscious effort a couple of times when we were writing songs or albums to be like, this is going to be the arena song. We need to let it breathe a little bit more. We need to like, let it like slow it down to your point, make it bigger, make it like, so when it, it travels with, you know, that ACDC quality, you know, cause right. You know, yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, man. it's, you know, it's all a show, but when it comes down mm. to it, um, I was just telling somebody, I want to just, I, I, I don't care about getting famous or rich, but I want to be known just enough to where I could just work the comedy store every night and not go on the road. You know uh, what I mean? Because yeah, I yeah, love, to me, the comedy store is the, uh, and the seller in New York are the ultimate, uh, you know, artistic thrill for a comedian you're in there with a comedy crowd in a tight room with a low ceiling it's dark and you're just delivering jokes and the people are fucking laughing in your face and there's nothing like that you know i do like the theaters and all that but man the comedy store is just that's where it's at i got two questions on that actually because i've never i still haven't been to the comedy store i've had a few comedians uh uh, invite me now that I've had this podcast and like talk to them. And they're like, yeah, come out. And I'm like, I'd love to just haven't gotten around to it yet. But I, I hope to catch one of your sets there sometime soon. Um, but uh, what is it about those other than like that? Like, why is that so iconic to be in a dark room? Why is that something that, that, that drives you in comedy or, or inspires you differently than being in those theaters? Like you, you just, you, I know you just described it a little bit, but like, what is that real? Like, why is that what you, what you, what you thrive for, you know? Well, there's a few different animals to comedy. So, you know, when the room is kind of lit up and you're doing edgy stuff, people get a little nervous to laugh around maybe a date they're with. Like, are you laughing at that? Or, oh. or you know, they don't want to laugh at stuff if it's a lit up room that they might be, you know, judged for, which is crazy. You turn those lights down and people are like, no one could see me, ah, you know? <laughs> and then the animal of the theater in the arena is a lot, like I said, with Kings of Leon or any band that explodes. You have these people that are might not necessarily be comedy fans, but they're, they're want to go do the thing. This is the thing. This guy's big. It's the it's the event tonight in town. So they might not all be super comedy fans. So you're going to get a mixture of people in there. They're like, I don't like what this guy's saying, you know, or this is I'm offended by this, which is fine, man, which is fine. Uh, I'm not one of those guys that, uh, you know, if you don't like something, that's that's I get it. But uh do, do a little research on who you're going to see. It only takes a minute. Just go to YouTube and go, ah, I don't like this guy at all. You know? <laughs> but, but, then still, some, but then still come out and pay the money, you know? Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's just that thing with the comedy store. Mm-hmm. It's where I started. And was that, was that your first set? What, what, was, what was your first set? My first set was actually at the Hollywood Improv. I did one of those shows like uh, 
it was like, so you want to be a comedian, you know, like a, there'd be like a housewife, a divorced housewife, a, 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 an old carpenter, you know, contractor. Yeah. My friend, Sam funny at the job site, you know, just yeah. people that wanted to try it. And that was my first, but I really dug into the store the uh, few nights later I uh, hit the store and, and I was hanging out the store in the eighties, man. You know, wow. when Dice was around and Kinnison and uh, my buddy wow. Delt Coke, he'd go down there and just unload all the Coke and I'd drink and watch, uh, you know, watch comics after playing gigs on the strip. It's yeah, just that's like, so rad. I mean, that's, that's, that's painting a picture right there. What was your uh, drink of choice? Stoly Collins. Okay. I don't drink anymore. Diabetes, right. man. I got diabetes. I got oh, rid of it. Is that, is that, yeah, it took, took you out of the game, huh? Well, you know, like any sugar, it took, really took me out of the candy game. Oh. You know, like I was fucking adult and I eat candy like all really? day. Gummy I can't, bears. I can't do candy, man. I just can't oh, do fuck, it. I love it. I love it, dude. I still love it. I miss it bad. That's so candy. funny. I'm so the opposite. I, well, I, not the opposite, but uh, I drink like, I drink pretty much fucking every day. You know, I don't, I don't go overdo it anymore like I did in my 20s, but I pretty much have like a couple glasses of wine every day or a scotch at the end of the night, something cool. But because I think my body gets that sugar intake, I don't crave candy or anything. When you quit sugar, you mm. know, that's when you get fat because, or quit drinking because you go for that shit. Your body craves sugar. Right. So now all of a sudden you're eating candy and ice cream and stuff. I know people that quit booze and all of a sudden they weigh like 240. That's you so know, they funny. overdo it. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you, I think, I think that goes back to everything in moderation, but like, obviously like, easier said than done, but like, yeah, because I take time off of booze strictly to lose weight. Cause I'm like, it's yeah. fucking, I'd be jacked oh, yeah. if I didn't fucking oh, <laughs> if yeah. I didn't drink in the amount that I drink. <laughs> I think that you can you can trash your body with two addictions and live a long life, but if you add a third, you just die right away. Is that is yeah. that the theory? Is that <laughs> I do I do like like Jerry Garcia? You know, he did coke and heroin for years, and then Ben totally. and Jerry's came out with that ice cream, and he was dead in a year. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you can't, that's you a can't, good one right there, guys. You can't get greedy with your addictions, man. Uh, you know? that's, a, that's a fair point. I like it. Yeah. yeah I mean, it goes, we're going into philosophy there. Then like, like you were saying, like belief in, in organic life and, and everything and uh, everything happens for a reason. It's very, for me recently, I started, uh, I got recommended this book for my therapist, the daily stoic. And it talks about like, it goes into that. It's all no brainer shit. You know, I don't know if you've been through therapy before, but like all of it's just kind of a talk through of the shit you already know, but it's good to like re or, or, or constantly uh, be reminded and daily reminded that, yeah, you really fucking are in control of almost nothing. But Yo, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. so just fucking go with it, man. Have a good time. You're just a, you're just a spot, <laughs> like a, a, you know, like not even a just, spot, man. Not even a yeah, fucking spot. Not even a spot. Yeah, <laughs> even yeah, if the most the most iconic emperors of of their time are not even fucking blimps, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's funny because I do a bit right now about the Beatles documentary, and I I asked anybody anybody see that, and and no one sees it, you know, no one. I still haven't like, seen it. I'm a huge Beatles fan. I, I, yeah. I have to admit, but I got a five-year-old son and it's hard yeah. to sit down and get fucking eight hours of a fucking documentary in. 
Right, but you know, you can watch it like 30 minutes at a time. That's like what I got to do. I know, I yeah. know. But it's, it's Guilt funny. Me. Guilt me as uh, a fucking Beatles fan. Go for it, Dean. <laughs> I was saying like, quit trying to do something genius because no one cares at the end. You know what I mean? Look at the Beatles, the greatest band ever. No one's watching. I'm like, no one's watching this, but they'll watch hours of the Kardashians. Just garbage. <laughs> they'll just watch garbage all day. And then you go, hey, here's some geniuses. They wrote the best music ever. Nah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I'm like, no. They nope. Not only do they write the best music ever, like they've done everything. So every, every oh. genre of music is just an iteration of what they started back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they were like the, you know, the, the first band that like do this or that or this, you know, and people are like, nah, <laughs> it's so funny. I, I want to see what Kim Kardashian's doing this week. It's like, oh God. Dude, I don't, I don't. Yeah. My wife's all yeah. into that. She's, she's in the pop world. I'm, I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't get into it, man. Oh no, 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 no not even for a minute for me, but you yeah. know, that's why there's different people in this world. Yeah. Everyone's hey, life is yeah. a buffet, right? Fucking pick yep. what you want and have, and have at it. Uh, you can tell life's a buffet by looking at most people's size. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So you, you, you mentioned a couple of times, uh, being on tour with, uh, Bill Burr. Um, just, uh, this was last summer, I guess. Uh, I don't know if you were with him. He was supposed to be here in Huntington Beach on the beach and had to cancel. Oh yeah, that that's where I did my first gig back. Oh really? Yeah. You were you yeah. were here at Sea Legs? Yeah, I did that. That I place that. is awesome, right? That's yeah. literally I I'm I could I hop on my bike, I hop on my beach cruiser and go on that path yeah. and just go right up there on Sundays and have brunch and shit. It's, it's a fucking great little place, right? Oh yeah, man. Especially if you want to just roast some red hats, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's Huntington for you, dude. <laughs> oh man. It was, it was a good time, man. They were like, fuck you and your mask. And I was like, Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, dude. And here in Huntington, it was like, people took the mask seriously. I mean, I'm talking majority here. I'm not talking about everybody, but the majority took it seriously for like a couple of weeks. And then they were like, fuck this. I'm not wearing a mask. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, like, I'm still yeah. going to do, I mean, you do you. My my philosophy from day one has been like, I'm going to, I don't know what's going on, so yeah. I'm going to take the precautions that I think I should take, and then we'll fucking go and see how things yeah, work out. Yeah, you know. What are you going to do? <laughs> what you are you, exactly, what the fuck are you going to do? But I it, mean, if you think everybody's going to get along, you're sorely mistaken. <laughs> it's just like, it just doesn't, life don't work that way. <laughs> I mean, after, after a couple of years in life out of the sandbox, you're like, you know, fuck. People just don't like each other. That's you know? yeah. <laughs> just how it is, man. It's crazy, man. But the next, the next time you come back to that thing, man, we got to stay in touch. I'd love to see you in person and, and catch That's one great. of those right there I, on I the beach, too. I, be I don't think sea legs is happening, um, or if it is, I don't know. But I do time uh, once in a while do the Irvine Improv or the Bray Improv. Oh, that's not far from me either. I, I'll, I'll, right. I'll, I mean, even L.A. I mean, you're talking about the comedy story. I mean, Jesus, yeah, I'm, far, I'm 45 minutes away from that. I'm too. there Saturday night if you want to go, dude. Oh, awesome, man. Maybe yeah. uh, this Saturday. Eight, eight o'clock. I got my... I got my, uh, I, I'm unfortunately busy with family shit, but, uh, yeah, I'll get one. I'll get but we'll stay in touch on that. We'll stay in touch on that. Cause I yeah. definitely want to catch a set in person and hang and shit. And congrats on all the podcasts, man, by the way, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ingratiating myself with each one. I mean, let there be talk. One of the best music podcasts out there. Anyone watching or listening right now, if you haven't, he's, he's got the who's who of everybody on 11 years, on 11 years, 11 years uh, of let there be talk. Last year was the biggest year ever. Rob Halford. Paul Stanley, John Mayer, ACDC, 
Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. Just the hugest guests, all all my dream guests so far, except for Jimmy Page and Francis Ford Coppola and, uh, and you know, Robert Plant. Everybody uh, else has been on this thing, man. It's just uh, been a... Well, I haven't been on it yet. So, I mean, I'll throw yeah. my name. Uh, you know, Come I'm, do I'm, it. I'm, I'm all on that. I'm on that there. same level. But, Come uh, do it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know. I'd, I'd love to, man. I'd love to reciprocate if that's something you'd be interested in. But uh, yep. again, I know you just started with like 14 episodes into the uh, the Dark Fozzie with, with Mark Marin. Um, yeah. I tried to go back and listen to you on, on WTF. And oh yeah, you gotta pay. I gotta pay for that. I mean, I'm willing yeah. to pay, but I, it, it might be on YouTube though. It might for, be on YouTube. I'll check yeah, it out. Yeah, I, I I, I'm a big Mark Marin fan. I've, I I kind of discovered him funny enough through Glow, even though I know he'd been doing oh, yeah. shit for so long. Yeah. But I've discovered him through that series, and your See, guys' banter is absolutely hilarious. Like you guys could just tell, like just listening to even the first episode of of Dark Fonzie, like you guys are just like homies. You know, just like hang out and and do shit together like that. Is that is that pretty much how that I know you guys were doing like an IG live, you said, and that's what yeah, kind of we were doing that, that during podcast. That co- yeah, during COVID, we were doing that. That's how the podcast came. But I mean, I thank God for uh, comedy because at 44, I got this whole new group of friends that are like my family now. You know, it's like when you're 44, most of your friends, they've had, you know, I've never been married, no kids or anything. So they've had kids and grandkids and they're long out of the art world, you know? So you're just kind of, you know, rolling around and all of a sudden you you know you know you, you got like three sets of friends in your life you got the elementary school ones and then you get into your high school friends and then those for most people just become their friends for the rest of their life uh and kind of fray away and then and then it's the neighbor because they have kids and you be oh, that yeah, kind the of, neighbor yeah the neighbor right. things that was huge right. during covid man i gotta tell you that 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 saved my fucking bacon a lot, having neighborhood kids to play with, right. to play with and shit, man. But with comedy, man, I've yeah. got some friends that are probably the greatest friends I've ever had in my life, you know? That's and uh, it's just so amazing to think about this. I can't even imagine that 12 years ago, I didn't even know these people. And now they're it's just- such a huge un- part of your life, right? Oh man, it's uh, every night, you know. Yeah. Here comes one going by right now. Club Who's Soda it? Kenny. Club Soda <laughs> Kenny, huh? Yeah, Club Soda Kenny staying at my house right now while he works with Burr on Burr's new film. Oh, Burr's very doing cool. A, Burr's directing a film. Pretty cool. Oh, what? Can you tell me a little bit about it? Or sh- uh, uh, I get it. Yeah, I guess they did a press release on that, right, Kenny? Yeah, it's 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 about three old dads, and Burr wrote it, and he's directing it, and he's acting in it, and it's a comedy about three old dads. It's gonna be fucking funny as shit. Awesome! It's the first film he's uh, he's directed, so oh, I he's, can't wait uh, to see. I can't. I'm a I'm a I'm a big Bill Bill Burr fan as well. I love the. Uh, F is for Family on Netflix. Oh, that that thing's that. smoking. F is for Family. Yeah. And then, of course, he's on The uh, Mandalorian, which he just Yeah, he killed it on that, man. Season. Oh, God. Yeah. That was so good. Obviously, yeah. Um, very cool. I can't wait to check that out. Are, are you involved in it or just uh, Club Soda Kenny? No, I, I'm not in it. Um, okay. But um, I'm just, he's off this month, and then he starts an arena tour, and I'm going to be doing some of the arenas with him. So it's going to be pretty badass. That's, that's fucking awesome, man. Congratulations on all the success. I mean, coming into a, a whole new career at age 44 and yeah. enjoying it and, and having it flourish is, is such a cool thing, man. Uh, I'll, I'll just uh, end that here with uh, thanking you for your time, man. Anyone who wants to go check out more Dean Del Rey, pretty easy to find, right? DeanDelRay.com is probably the easiest yep. way. 
Yeah, and then my uh, podcast network, I have a full network called cactusradionetwork.com. And uh, it's four shows, four different podcasts, and whatever whatever you like, we've got it for you there. Uh, I've got the grail, where it's people that build stuff, may it be uh, guitars or motorcycles or cars or denim or boots or anything or architecture. Uh, Dark Fonzie's on there. Then I've got uh, Let There Be Talk. And then I produce... The spiritual guru, Byron Katie, I produce her podcast, which is absolutely exploding. And she's a uh, kind of a female Tony Robbins type of uh, uh, fantastic human. And so those are all on there, cactusradionetwork.com. And they're all free. Dude, that's amazing. I didn't know that. About and, uh, you just touched upon a couple of things that I didn't get. We didn't get a chance to talk about this time. Hopefully we could uh, have another chat down the line. Sure. But, you know, the, the motorcycles that you're into and the oh. fashion. I heard you talking a little bit about the fashion, man. And that's I all like, I live for. <laughs> Architecture, comedy, and fashion, man. That's Dude. my life. Yeah, that's, <laughs> hey, and you're doing it well, man. So I appreciate the time. Let's keep Thank in you. touch, man. I'll come out and see you in L.A. And hopefully we, we can uh, have a few more chats like this. Sounds great, man. Hit me up. All right. See ya. Cheers. Later. And that'll just about do it for this week's episode of Drinks with Johnny. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Dean for being on the show. What an awesome dude. What a, I'm, I'm really happy that we're starting a friendship with this guy. And it's all thanks to you guys for listening and, and putting together this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure, an absolute blast. I'm going to go watch night two of WrestleMania now. So uh, I'll see you guys next time. As always, cheers. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.